When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Caram, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. Another in-person episode, number four, I believe, that we've done since we've been back home. That sounds about right. Um, Let's go with that. This is definitely our third one that we've done um, for power rankings. I know that. Um, and what is it? Week nine now on our power rankings. Um, and I believe we're just going to hop right into it. Very busy weekend. LJ was covering for me the last two days. We're back now, though, um, and certainly very excited to break down every team. Let's start, as always, 30 through 26. And. Um, for the second week in a row, we are in agreement that the agreement, excuse me, agreement that the Royals are the worst team in the league. Yeah, um, I tried really hard to put the A's here just because Oakland's an embarrassment to the entire nation. But you know, you look at some of these stuff. I mean, they still run differential. Still goes in favor of Oakland. Um, amazingly, again, Kansas City's not even the worst team in that regard, but they find ways to lose games big consistently. That gets them there. Yeah, there's just not enough. No other team has been bad enough to get into that spot. Because I certainly don't expect the Royals to be good enough to get out of that spot. Yeah, no. Uh, Kansas City does not have a lot going for it right now. Um, really, all these teams, 30 through 26... I think we've got a, our kind of group set in stone here for the rest of the season. Would you say that, or can we loop in some of these other teams? I'm going to go through my five, and then you let me know if there's anyone else who you think um, deserves a spot for, like, what we're saying is, like, the consensus 
From here on out, what is the worst five? For me, I think it's Royals, Reds, A's, Nationals, and Pirates. That's that's certainly a fair spot to go. I ended up going with the Royals at 30, of course. A's 29, Reds 28, Rockies 27, and Tigers 26. That's a big drop for the Rockies. Or is, is it for you? Or not Reds a big drop for you, I should say, because I have them at 22. A little spoiler alert, and you have them at 27. You're just not as high on this team as you used to, because you used to be way higher on them at the start of the season than, than I was, and now well, it's kind of flipped. When they were playing good baseball, I'm going to be high on the yeah. team that's playing good baseball, but... This just isn't it. These this pitching staff's a hot mess. You know, you're talking about a team. They've got two good relievers. They also have no um, farm system. So odds are this team, who is not going to be competitive this year, will be shipping out both of those relievers to try to recoup some of that at some point. With that being said, I don't think they're the bottom five. I think, you know, I probably will put... I'd put the Nationals back into that group over the... Rockies Nationals are rough that, like that's that that starting rotation is just I mean Patrick Corbin some of his a uh, baseball savant stuff I was looking at the other day legitimately one of the worst pitchers in the league over the last like two three seasons yeah it, it's it's crazy and that's so much money that's just going right towards him you know and it makes me wonder had Patrick Corbin never fallen off do we see the Nats make such drastic moves that they end up making last year? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to wanting to sell the team and other things that are going on among that. But back on this uh, bottom five conversation, I think really, I feel comfortable saying as I'll go ahead and read out my next five here. I've got the Cubs at 25, Nats at 24, Orioles at 23, Pirates at 22 and the Rangers at 21. I think those are legitimately, we've seen enough at this point. I could be very comfortable with the fact that those are the worst 10 teams in the league. Like, if that group didn't really move out of that 10 for the rest of the year, it wouldn't surprise me that much. Not at all. So, I think that group is definitely a lot stronger, a lot more solidified, the bottom third of the league. But, you know, you got the Cubs who look awful. The Nationals look awful. And it just comes down to who do I trust most to win games. And I tr- certainly trust the Pirates to win games at this point. They're proving that they can have that level of competence. You know, I'm going to trust the Rangers have looked really good. The Orioles, you know, that's a team that's starting to grow. They're going to get more and more youth up as the year goes on, too. So... When it comes down to it, it's between, it was between the Nationals and the Cubs for me who would actually be that bottom five team who I trust the least to win. At 25, I've got the Tigers, Cubs at 24, Orioles 23, Rockies 22, and Diamondbacks 21. Actually, out of this group of five teams here, three of them had winning records this week. Colorado was 4-3, and three, Detroit was 3-2, and two, and um, who else was it there? Or excuse me, uh, it was just two of the teams. Arizona was three and four. Um, but still, you know, I I, I think that um, you know, LJ's right. These are just it's it's tough. Um, and I was right. Sorry, uh, Baltimore was three and two. So there, yes, three out of these my next five um, did have a winning record. But well, Brandon, I'm not sure if you saw what happened last night. But again, mm-hmm. I kind of I proclaimed I was officially out all the way out on this Tigers offense last week. 
I'm doubling down on that. As did you see what went on with their game yet yesterday? I'm gonna guess. I I, I didn't, but I'm gonna guess. Miguel Cabrera showed that he was the best hitter on the team, and that's probably the only production they got from him. No. No. Okay. Brandon, I want you to guess how many runs they scored. Zero. They did score zero. I want you to guess how many hits they got. <laughs> two? One? Yes, two. two. <laughs> I want you to guess how many base runners they had. Two. Yes, two. <laughs> they had a game in which they had two base runners, Harold Castro and Robbie Grossman, get on through via singles. They had two total bases the entire game against Toronto. This was Ross Stripling on the mound. Yeah, and you know, I actually did see a little thing. Uh, I think it might be on Instagram about Tariq Skubal. Um, he kind of got roughed up a little bit, and there was a play where there was two outfielders running towards the ball on the warning track, and they both kind of they were both taking like a weird angle to get it, and then they both stopped and thought that the other one was going to catch it, bounces into the crowd for a ground rule double, and you see Scooble on the mound, and he's looking, and he's like, all right, like, it's a deep fly ball. Like, you know, that sucks. Like, I I, I kind of got away with one. Like, that's what he's thinking. And then you see it drop, and as a pitcher, you can't make that much of a reaction on the mound because, you know, you, you, you can't show up your fielders. And he just hands on his head for, like, a split second. It's like, oh, my God. Like, there's no way that we just let that happen. <laughs> Only in Detroit. Um, all right. 20 through 16. I'm going with, where is it? Right here. Rangers at 20. I dropped them three spots. Mariners at 19, Marlins at 18, uh, I moved them up three spots, uh, the White Sox at 17, and the Angels at 16, both teams, so I moved down a few spots, um, and I feel like this is a group of teams for me here where, you know, like I said, a lot of movement, um, at least within these few teams, and um, I hate to move the White Sox down again, I guess that'll be the team that I focus on, but Another tough week, two and four, a team ERA of four point three four, and um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to think of this team. They've been so inconsistent. It reminds me so much of the twenty twenty one Yankees, where I think I might still have a picture on my phone. They showed a graphic on Yes Network that year, and it was like first fifteen games, like five and ten. And then the next thirty, they were like twenty four and six and just back and forth back and forth and that's what i'm getting out of this white Sox team this year look this is a team that early on proved that as i should actually mention where i have them i have them at am i reading the right one 16 Mm -hmm. yeah 16 uh diamondbacks angels marlins mariners and then the white Sox rounding out that five this is a team that's proven that they're not as deep as we thought they were and that's not on management or that's not on the manager but then there's a whole bunch of situations where they go out and lose games, and a lot of that can be partially on the manager, on the team culture, the organizational culture, not being able to sustain long runs of success and just being so streaky and so inconsistent. Legitimately, do you trust this team is now three and a half games out of the wild card? Do you trust them? To be able to beat out the Rays, Blue Jays, or Red Sox? No, we're getting four AL East teams I think, in the playoffs. I think from a quality standpoint, it's close with all of them. Or at least 
close with whoever you think is the bottom team on talent. If that's the Red Sox, I'm fine with it. But I don't think it's – I think the Red Sox are well, a more talented roster. Yeah. And then they just have more consistent play. They have more consistent management. Frankly, I think the, Gu- the Guardians have a way better shot. You know, yes, they're playing good right now. They're hot. But they're going to be a team that's going to be able to stay above 500 at, at minimum. I have a lot of faith in the fact that this is going to be an 80-win team at this point. And that's something that they're already going to have to contend with. And so I'm not even going to talk about them making it to the Twins. But if this team's able to make it to the wild card, how much is that going to take out of them? Having to surpass the Guardians, having to surpass one of these AL East teams, how much is going to be left in the tank by the time you get to the playoffs? A lot of hope is gone for this team, I feel like. However, what I will say, um, there is a very strong possibility in the AL East where these other teams, and or where the teams within the AL East beat up on each other so much, kind of like what we saw with the NL East last year, that you know a team like the White Sox or, or the, the Guardians could sneak in that last spot just because you play so many games against your own division in the AL East. I mean, clearly the best division right now. I don't think that you can make an argument for really anywhere else. NL West is still really good, but the AL East this so far this year, I mean, you're talking four teams that if you had to play like a seven game playoff series are all very scary in their own way. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent ready to buy into that right now, just because let's look again, let's look at the wild card um, picture right now. You know, you've got the Red Sox in that last spot, then you've got the Guardians, then you got the Angels. Are we trusting the Angels to get back in this? No. Probably not. No, but they're, they're the a contender, Sox, at least. The White Sox have a better chance, I think. Than the Angels. Yes. You know, I I, I don't know, because I think the AL West is weaker. <laughs> I mean, who's the AL West have? The Rangers are no good anymore. I went from Seattle, a weak liking the Rangers to not liking the Rangers. But, but if, if they're going to stay this streaky, they've got a shot to pull off upset issues. Seattle's, Seattle's the most better. mid thing I've, I've ever seen. They're playing better baseball again. Again, it's all about when, when do the Angels catch each of these teams is the question. I mean, the A's are going to be a pushover, but the Astros they're always going to struggle with. The Rangers, if you, they catch them on the right week, that's going to be a thing. The Mariners, if you catch them on the right week, that's going to be a thing. I mean, this Mariners team is good enough, I think, at their best to beat Houston in a series. They've done it this year, and I still think that they're that talented that if they're on a hot week, they're going to be able to beat them in a series. So, either way, I don't, I don't trust the Angels that much. I just guess, I think the biggest competitors are Cleveland and Chicago for that last spot. Yes, teams are going to beat up on each other, but... That really didn't seem to stop the NL West that much last year. Like, it was San Diego falling apart that kept them out of the playoffs last year. Not because just the rest of their competition was just too tough. If they had played the same type of baseball that they played for the first couple months of the season, like the first half of the mm-hmm. season, they would have probably still been a playoff contender or a playoff team last year over St. Louis. It wasn't a matter of the Dodgers and Giants being that good. So I'm not all that concerned about that, but I am concerned about the White Sox getting games ticked off by the Twins and Guardians because I don't I don't see a scenario where those two teams are playing so poorly that they get swept by this White Sox team. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I. It's a good point, um, and that's what makes I think the, at least the MLB playoffs so interesting is that the way that the schedule is laid out is that you could see like the White Sox last year clearly a benefited from a weak AL Central. They win 
you know, they, of course, avoid that wild card game because of how the system was last year. And, you know, you play in a weak division, you get to go to the ALDS, and then we see what the Astros do to them. I mean, you could say that this White Sox rebuild of how many years in the, in the making was all to win one ALDS game at this point. Um, and, you know, when you look at what the White Sox tried to do here, this could be seen as one of the failures of a rebuild um, in recent history, at least to me. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good. I I don't know what else to say about it, but you know, this is a team that you had plenty of time to get deep. Mm-hmm. You didn't get deep. If anything, you got weaker because I know he hasn't had a great year to start with through only. 115 played appearances because of more injury, but I still think the dumbest move that they have made as a franchise, all right, second dumbest move, two dumbest moves, bringing in Tony La Russa was trying to, sticking the nail in the coffin. Well, you know, like, the story why he got hired, right? Jerry Reinsdorf, their owner, still felt bad about firing him, like, in the early 80s, like, 40 years ago, and that was part of the reason why he rehired him was just to here's my gift, just apology to, to you for having fired you 40 years ago and me firing you and you turn into a Hall of Fame manager, but I still feel like I owe you something. Like, that's that's what that was. That still doesn't change the fact no. that it's killing the franchise. Another thing that's killing the franchise is that horrendous Craig Kimbrell trade. I'm still angry about that for White Sox fans because Nick Madrigal I think Nat- just... Nick Madrigal is an incredibly talented player who... You know, even if it gets better with the whole dead ball, we're still going to be in a more dead ball era than we were in years past. Contact hitters 100% have a place in this league. And he's been too hurt this year to really get an idea of what he's capable of, but he's capable of a lot more than the numbers he's produced in Chicago right now. He should have been their second baseman for the better part of this decade, and instead they bring in another closer who is clearly not comfortable being a setup guy. And his performance showed that. And Nick Madrigal, not only a contact hitter, but also really good in the field. Uh, that's that's where a lot of his, his value comes from, too. You know, um, a guy that we were talking about prior to the show, like an Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Nice contact, nice fielding, and they still have a place in this league, absolutely. Especially when you're talking about that the shift could get taken out next year. These contact hitters are going to have even more hits because you see a guy like a DJ LeMahieu who does hit his fair share of ground balls, and because of that, the shift is able to get a lot of outs. I feel like that, that like yes, uh, getting rid of the shift, guys like Gallo and, you know, Grandal, Jock Peterson. Well, those guys won't necessarily get the increase because they're all air guys. But you were saying. Oh yeah, just you know that it just it's not just going to be those guys who you see a little uptick in. It could be really everybody. The Ryan Tapias. The Ryan Tapias. Your sixty-seven percent ground ball rate. Um, But and one more thing on Chicago before we drop off. I'm just it's going to frustrate me, and it should frustrate every fan. I feel like. You're going to be sitting here watching, waiting, wondering for when they actually get a full-time guy for that role. Like, who's Cesar Hernandez was their second baseman mm-hmm. at the end of last year. That was a good grab, but that's the type of thing you get at the tra- trade deadline and you're not able to keep around. Now, all of a sudden, you're filling in with a 35-year-old Josh Harrison, who certainly hasn't produced. He's been worse than Danny Mendick. Uh, not Danny Mendick. Uh, excuse me, I meant uh, Nick Madrigal. 
so far this year. And it's like there's no, there's not going to be a clear solution. There's not a lot of second basemen that just end up in free agency through the prime of their careers, not impactful ones, anyways. Like a, there's no, there's no David Fletcher walking through the door for Chicago, which is what they really could use to round out this team. LJ, I don't know if you saw, but our poor guy, your mean Mercedes, got DFA'd on Sunday. Um, poor guy. I mean. Hasn't he been through enough already? Hasn't he been through enough? Let's check the Instagram. I checked it. It was just him in the cage yesterday, him grinding. In him in the cage, grinding. Cage vids. We love some cage vids. Absolutely. Well, while LJ is getting a little update on your mean Mercedes, I'm going to run through uh, 15, 15 through 11. We had quite a bit of movement here. Um, the Guardians, I put it 15. I moved them up one spot. And then my biggest mover, the Phillies, I bring from number 20 last week to number 14. They were 5-1 and one on the week. Uh, team ERA at 3.50, but it was really the offense that um, did a lot for them. Uh, just an absolutely great week out of the Phillies. And... Um, I'm not back in on them to be a, you know, okay, I don't know. I don't know if I'm back in on them to make the playoffs, but I'm certainly more in than I was last week. I'll say that. I'm still very unsure where the Phillies stand. Red Sox at 13, Giants at 12, and the Brewers, my biggest loser, I moved from five last week to number 11 as they have an awful week they go one and five uh got awful production out of their pitching staff you're talking a negative 1.1 war in six games from their pitching it's okay it's okay uh 15 through 11 i went the phillies at 15 the guardians at 14 the Red Sox, or I'm reading yours now, the Twins at 13, the Giants also at 12, and the Brewers also at 11. On the Phillies, I I just have to chalk this up to the firing of Joe Girardi. You know, it pumped a little life back into this team, some blood in their veins, and that is a great thing. It certainly makes for fun baseball, but I don't think this team gets much past watchable this season. Like, this isn't a team that's going to be able to compete for the extra wild card spot. This isn't a team that's got a well-rounded base. And without that foundation, they're not going to have anything to stand on come August and September. I just, I don't, I think I see this as kind of the peak for them. You know, if we have to, if we're trying, we've been trying to section this whole thing off mm. for a while. I would say, you know, that bottom 10 pack is the worst teams. Then this next six, honestly, up till 14 in my eyes, all those teams are watchable, but you're not expecting anything out of them. And then all of a sudden you get into actual playoff teams, actual playoff contenders in these last 14 spots. And I find it interesting because you never dropped the Phillies dramatically like I did. Um, you've had them pretty much around the 15 range last few weeks. I dropped them all the way down to 20 last week. I was completely out um, and they proved me wrong a little bit back in now. Um, but yeah, the Red Sox at 13... Um, I keep them at the same spot, um, and I know that they had a really good week, um, but that's just, to me, a, a building on their previous success. We saw the Red Sox do that um, last week. They played really good. They're on a nice little stretch here, um, and, you know, another 
at least solid week out of them and you're talking a potential top 10 team just need to see a little more out of that pitching but certainly a great week for the red sox this week especially um, seeing i'll touch actually i'll touch on that when we get into top 10 okay do you want to get into top 10 sure let's do it uh got the braves here at 10 the red sox at nine the blue jays at eight the rays at seven and then the cardinals at six cardinals just they're a hair behind the top five at this point you know you had this was their opportunity if they were in striking distance was this week where the Dodgers and Padres both struggle. But you Tough know, week for the Cardinals. They just they needed a little bit more. Uh, I need to see more out of them. Two and four, you know, even if you split those six games, I'm 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 thinking a lot more highly of you. Especially like like yeah. you said, uh Dodgers and Padres both struggle. Again, I even then though I think they're close. Like I don't I'm not ready to break them in. I still think I think actually now I feel like their resume this week was better than either the Padres or the Dodgers. That's how bad I think both of those teams played. So now I would say they're in striking distance. Like if either of those teams falter, all of a sudden. I mean, San Diego was still four and three this week, but you know, I mean, some the you know a couple of those games that they dropped are you know a a little embarrassing to say the least. Um, Yeah, my top ten. I'm Rays, Twins at nine. Uh, at eight, I go with the Braves, who have also been really hot. Move them up four spots. Cardinals at seven, and the Blue Jays at six. Uh, I keep the Blue Jays at six, but a great week for Atlanta. Six and zero, oh, the only undefeated team uh, this week. Four saves um, as a team. I like to see that they played in a lot of close games. That that a bullpen. LJ and I talked about like a week and a half ago. But uh, Kenley Jansen just been so underrated, and, and um, we saw that that bullpen carry them through the 2021 playoffs as well. And having a guy like AJ Minter not have to be in a high level, like having Ken- Kenley Jansen in there instead of a guy like AJ Minter allows him so much more flexibility as he's not really the guy that I I think is necessarily meant for the closing role. Like Jesse Chavez been good since he came over from the Cubs too, right right when the season started. Because he was on the team last year, signed with the Cubs in the offseason, and then got traded right back to him. Um yeah, you know, we saw, like I said, how how good that, that bullpen was, especially in in the Dodger series in the NLCS. Um Braves are Legit, we're both back on the Braves. Um, that's sure. sure. And speaking of bullpens, Red Sox bullpen mm-hmm. trending in the right direction. Finally, I feel like I, I love say to it. hear it, LJ. Finally, because because all I've heard is um, complaints from Red Sox fans to start the year. Well, it finally, you know, you make the decision to move Hauk out of the starting rotation, and you know that was. A tough one that was a tough blow because this guy's still got amazing stuff like the the break he gets is unbelievable still and he certainly is a major league pitcher but they clearly you know the tertiary pitching wasn't developing mm. that extra bit to get them through and clearly the analytics were telling them no matter what do not let him go through the lineup a third time he's going to get eaten alive and so he never really got the opportunity to show that but all of a sudden now you decide, you know, throw him in this closer role. He's assuming it full on. Got back-to-back saves the last two days. I think he might have gotten the win as as the ninth inning guy a couple days ago before that as well. And all of a sudden he's looking really good 
with that role that makes this all the more flexible and who knows where you go from here you know you eventually eventually you get James Paxton back eventually you get Chris Sale back do you want Chris Sale in the bullpen role do you want him in the starting role if you want him in the starting role there's definitely a place for um, excuse me Garrett Whitlock to get back into this bullpen doing long relief like he was so good at as well and that just makes this whole thing even more dangerous so I finally feel like I'm in a position where I'm a little more comfortable but a lot of that is projecting out over the next few months like we're talking about Chris Sale is currently six six weeks away from being a starter and once Ovaldi comes back too yep. right because he just hit the IL just a few days ago um and a lot of people are hating on Rich Hill. I don't see much need to. Like, again, four three eight ERA through 49 innings. He's got 40 strikeouts on the year so far. He's solid. I'm not expecting him solid. to do much more than no, that. No, he's, again, this is, this is what he is. And if you're going to get, if I can have my number five starter below a four or five, I'm going to call that a day. Right? So... At, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm fine with that if that's what it takes to bolster this bullpen with a guy like either Sale or Whitlock. And also Josh Taylor, who I know you know yeah. you haven't heard much about. We haven't heard much about him since he got hurt in spring training, but it's a guy that you're pretty big on because you know certainly having another a lefty to support guys like Strom and Jake Diekman and Austin Davis, who's been really good this year, um, will only help a bolster this this bullpen if and Josh get, Taylor does come back. I'm assuming he's going to, right? Yeah, you know you haven't heard much about about it uh, other than setbacks of course going to the 60 day but eventually he is going to get back on the field and as soon as he gets back on the field in my eyes he's the top lefty out of this bullpen really so, okay yeah. oh my gosh it's it's night and day well all right if Chris, strom has if, been good though yes, yes he has but that's how that's how talented josh taylor is and i should have made the caveat assuming they don't put chris sale in the bullpen he is the best lefty in the bullpen okay okay well I think it's top five time. I believe I, I believe it would be. All right. The Braves uh, are good at baseball. We didn't really get a chance to say that. Yeah, no. Braves are really good. Braves on a hot streak. Pirates and Cubs on cold streaks. Um, not good at baseball. Not good at baseball. That was that was a fun series for the Yankees this weekend. I only watched. I was only able to watch like one of the games, and the other time was just spent getting alerts on my phone that we scored. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, Astros at five, uh, you know they had a rough homestand. Uh, they went two and four, but they were able to win Sunday. They didn't get swept by the Marlins, um, and you know I'm they're just a really solid team. I think the Astros at five is a really good spot for them. Padres at four, I moved them up three spots. Um, you know, yes, they were really hot entering. Um, the second game of that doubleheader Saturday, I believe up until that point it was, let me count here, one. So they'd won four in a row and seven of the last eight. They were really uh, keeping the pressure up on the Dodgers there in the NL West. Um, Then they dropped two in a row to Colorado. They kind of missed their chance to capitalize on that giant sweep of the Dodgers. But still, um, Padres are playing good ball as of late. And um, just really strong team. Dodgers at three. Rough week for them, like we said. I dropped them one spot. They get swept by the Giants. The bats went pretty much silent um, for a lineup that's this good. 
four runs over their last three losses in San Francisco. Uh, the Dodgers got to start hitting soon, or this is the Padres' uh, race to take over. Mets at two. Um, yeah, we're another solid week. They win Sunday Night Baseball last night against the Angels. Pete Alonso already five homers in the month of June, and we're on June 13th. Um, and this ends this it's been a 10 game west coast road trip for them um they can finally get back to new york after having to face dodgers padres and angels and of course yankees number one sweep the cubs outscore them 28 to 5 uh the yankees lead the majors in home runs with 98 weighted runs created plus 121 as a team and a team ERA of uh, 2.85, and um, they're actually entering their toughest stretch of the season right here, the Yankees. Very, very tough stretch. We've got three at home against Tampa, three at Toronto, three at Tampa, then we go to Houston, then it's Oakland, and then Houston again. So five of the next six series are against playoff teams. And not to... Put the Yankees in a bad light here because in this situation, I'm saying it's 100% the right idea. You're going to take that Oakland series a little easy. Oh, like, yeah. You this have is, to. This it's is when way. you can do it. It's not, you know, if if we started uh, trying to do that during this week where it's Tampa, Toronto, Tampa, that's where the issue is. But, like, the resting of players and the weird lineups – Go for it against Oakland when that, you've already won two, a, a game in the series. But don't be doing it for that whole series and just blow three games there because you feel that it's okay. That's the that's the area I get concerned, I get worried with the Yankees about because, you know, we've seen this. We saw this last season in Detroit about this time last year yep. where they got absolutely stomped by the Tigers. Swept. Swept? Was it actually swept? Was it actually swept? Yep. Wow. Um, a swamp, a stomp sweeping. Um, and and there was a gross home run, Robbie Grossman, disgusting. a disgusting walk off by Robbie Grossman. Disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I just you know I get that it's their philosophy, and I understand and respect it in this situation where you have such a tough schedule, but they have to be really careful because even there, it's like you know to tie it into another sport, it's like the U.S. playing Jamaica or Granada last week. Excuse me, you know. The uh, men's soccer team. It's impossible to keep the level of edge that you play against Houston and Toronto against Oakland. It's impossible to keep the same edge that you had against Morocco and Uruguay and you'll have against El Salvador against Granada. And a lot of times, that'll either make you start off slow or they'll flat out just get you beat because the other team is sharper than you. And, you know, it, it's a weird comparison also, but I think in years past where to like open up spring training i think the red sox you, you used to do it they would play like the boston college baseball mm-hmm. team and you look at the matchup and you're like look i don't care if the red sox throw out all single a guys like this should be 15 to nothing and then you like watch the game and it's like damn like these college pitchers are like actually hanging with these hitters like they're actually like playing good and then it ends up being like you know of course, the college team doesn't win, but you would expect it to be a blowout. It's just kind of like, for whatever reason, and it happens in all sports, teams play down to their competition. It truly happens. It's really it's really hard to play an even brand of any sport, especially baseball, when you know your opponent's record. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, LJ, take us through your top five, and then My we'll get out of five, here. top five, I've got the Padres in five, the Dodgers at four, the Astros at three. I really, you know, it wasn't, a no, it was a no-brainer for me to keep the mm-hmm. Astros here, over the, especially over the Dodgers. Um, I'd certainly love to hear Brandon's um, interest in the Dodgers over the Astros right now afterwards, but I've got the Mets two, the Yankees one, as we continue to have only four teams take that number one spot in the history of these rankings. Well, the Dodgers and Astros had very similar weeks. They both went two and four. Um, I've always been higher on the Dodgers than you have, at least for this year, so I guess that's kind of my reasoning. Um, I also put the Padres over them as well. I think that those two NL West teams are a little stronger than the Astros at this point. Um, but yeah, all three of those teams, uh, Dodgers, um, or well, I guess just the, uh, like I said, Dodgers and Astros, yeah, both two and four this week. So no reason to jump one over the other when I don't need to. But yeah. I think that does it, I think. I think that does it. Got, got through a oh, lot. Oh. Another thing I wanted to jump on, the Mets. Brandon, I haven't seen you since. I... Uh, we got to go down and watch Kumar Rocker play Friday night. Yes, quick recap on that. How um, do you look? Again, the pitches are great. Overall, the movement is next level. You certainly, again, it, that, that type of thing, I feel like pitch movement doesn't show well on TV. Like, you don't notice it as much just because everybody looks like you're. it's moving so much. But then all of a sudden you get them in person and, like, it's night and day. You really get to see that. One thing I'm very worried about, and it's a thing that a lot of guys I feel like have a tough time changing mechanically, his leg kick is way too slow, Brandon. It's Even out of the stretch? Out of, especially out of the stretch. Like, we're talking about... It, his, his out of the stretch mo- motion is some guys... So he's just John um, Lester. And just will never throw to first now because everyone will just steal on It's Yeah, it's not even about throwing to first. It's just a matter of... His motion out of the stretch is so slow, and, you know, it's not a good thing when, you know, this is basically him and uh, Jack Leiter are basically in the same boat because these upper-level independent leagues are basically double-A baseball. And so they're both on the same level right now, but either way, if double-A teams in their first outing against you are able to recognize how slow that leg kick is and be able to tee off on you within two innings... And start stealing bases. I mean, they were just, they were great. They, one guy grabbed second and then third within back, like three three pitches. Um, that's going to be an issue for him. That's something that's going to have to change before he gets to the majors, or else that's that's not a recipe for success because it was glaring. Well, and it's there. something that you see out of relievers sometimes where they can get away with it because they have such nasty stuff that they're like hey that's fine that you take second i'm gonna strike out this batter anyways the guy that always used to do it was uh Dellen batanzas had the slowest leg kick and it was so frustrating because it's like are you kidding like there's no reason for that guy to be on second base after you just walked him but now he is and then he'd always come back and have a nice strikeout um or something but for a starting pitcher it's really worrisome because you just think about how many innings you pitch. The average starter, if, if you think that a good whip is about one, right? Yeah. I'd say around one. No, that's probably like elite or around like the one area. I'd say like 1.2 is around average. So you're talking about like 1.2 base runners per inning. If You know. That's, that's a guy in second and third by the end of the inning. If, some days. Yeah. And 
we're not going to act like that. The, that players in Double A are faster than major league players. Um, at least, not some of them. Uh, you know, there's. It could certainly be a problem, but it's nice that we can go and actually see a guy like this pitch who's so highly touted. You know. Yeah, honestly, and the biggest issue is the fact that this is fixable. It's just about how quickly is it fixable. Because this is the type of... You don't of, want to screw him up. You don't either. want to screw him up. You want to adjust this. And I'm sure he probably wants to adjust this. But I feel like with most players, it's a coin flip. You know, you're going to either... You're going to correct this, and he's going to be the same pitcher, just without all of these runners going on him. Or it's going to end up screwing with him, and he's going to take an extra half a year to a year to get up to the majors yeah. than it would have normally. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod. We will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 